This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What's your first memory of being told a story? Chances are it was listening to your parents or another adult read to you at bedtime. The way most people first experience fairy tales and nursery rhymes are through the spoken word, which taps into a long tradition of oral storytelling. Sometimes those bedtime stories were soothing, but other times, behind the pumpkins, peppers, and glass slippers, there was something darker and more disturbing at play. Something with sinister motives and unspeakable consequences for the slightest misstep. Welcome to Freaky Folklore, the podcast where we discover the horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. This show is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network. Find more terrifying tales at EerieCast.com and be sure to follow us on Spotify or your favorite podcasting service. You can also leave an honest review on iTunes, too. The more we get, the more we grow, and hopefully, the more monsters we can explore. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com. That is C-A-R-M-A-N-C-A-R-R-I-O-N at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. Content warning. This episode contains graphic depictions of suicidal feelings and actions. Life was beginning to crumble below young Mason's feet when he had woken up in the hospital that night. So it hadn't worked after all. Was all he could think as he peered around the empty hospital room. Well, not completely empty. His mother laid passed out on the love seat against the wall to the right of Mason's hospital bed. Mason winced as he tried to sit up, waking his mother who had always been a light sleeper. She rushed to his side and gently pushed him back to lay on the bed. Don't move around too much, your wounds might open back up. She sat down in the chair that was placed right next to the bed, and Mason avoided her gaze. He couldn't look at her after what he had done to himself. He knew she'd only look at him with exhaustion and disappointment like she always did. Right as he heard her inhale to get ready to speak, the hospital room door swung open and hit the wall with a loud thump. Mason turned to spot his furious-looking father storming into the room. You can't be serious. What were you thinking? Were you actually trying to kill yourself? Do you know how inconsiderate you're being? The door was still wide open during this outburst, nurses and other patients peering in at the commotion. Mason's mother grabbed onto her husband's arm in an attempt to calm him down, but her efforts were wasted when he pushed her away from him. His veins were bulging out of his forehead and neck, his face taking on a cherry color. 
Mason avoided eye contact and remained quiet until a doctor stepped into the room. Excuse me, sir. I'm sorry to interrupt, but the scene here is disturbing the patients. The doctor shut the door behind him and walked further into the room. He nodded towards Mason's parents and politely asked them to take a seat. The doctor takes a seat in the chair that Mason's mom had been sitting in previously. He held a clipboard in his hands and a fancy black pen. He skimmed over the clipboard for a few seconds before looking up at Mason and flashing him a soft smile that Mason had no energy to return. He explained to Mason that his mom had explained the entire situation and that Mason would spend an entire week in a psychiatric facility unless a longer stay is requested by the patient or by his guardians. The entire conversation made Mason squirm anxiously in the bed, picking at the skin around his fingernails until they bled. He didn't want to go to a psych ward. He heard terrible stories about places like that. Things like life-threatening physical altercations between patients, and people who would do unspeakable things to other patients and to themselves. He had heard so many stories about that place, but it would seem there was nothing else he could do about it. After someone survives an attempt to take their own life, they'd obviously be put in a place like that. But Mason didn't like the idea of being treated like he was crazy. After a torturous week of sitting in a hospital room with nothing to do but watch old TV shows on the small screen provided in front of the bed, Mason was finally discharged. But that didn't mean he was free just yet. He would be taken to the psych ward today, and as he exited the vehicle with his parents, he began to sweat buckets. When they got inside, they spoke to an older lady who explained to them what they do there and what they provide for their kids. She informed them that Mason would be prescribed psychotropic medication and had asked them if their son had ever gone to see a therapist before. Of course, I was never taken to a therapist. They never noticed something was wrong with me. Mason discreetly scoffed as the thought appeared in his head unwillingly. The woman explained that they provide both individual and group therapy, and they would be able to officially diagnose him. Mason's ears perked up at the mention of family therapy, and he stole a glance at his dad who immediately dismissed the idea saying they had no problems as a family and they don't and will not need that. Mason chewed on the flesh of his bottom lip to keep himself from lashing out at his father, but he held himself back. After a while of talking to his parents, they were finally dismissed leaving Mason alone with the older woman. She began to show him around explaining certain rooms and giving him quick introductions to some of the patients they run into. Finally, they reached the room Mason would be staying in. It was a plain room with white and sky blue colors surrounding the floors, walls, and ceiling. There were two beds on either side of the room. One bed was occupied by another boy about the same age as Mason. The boy had looked up when the door had opened and offered a bright smile to the guest that stood in the doorway. The woman introduced him as Chris and explained that he would be Mason's roommate. She also explained that Chris gets to leave this place in a few days after being here for a month. That new information sat eerily in Mason's mind. 
How messed up was this kid if he had to stay here for an entire month? When the woman left, Chris stood up from the bed and walked up to Mason, offering a hand with the intention of a proper greeting. Chris shot a bright smile as Mason quickly tried his best to return with a more awkward one. From that moment forward, Mason's time at the psych ward seemed to have brightened a bit more. Chris was fun to be around, constantly talking about something while Mason would always listen with interest. He learned that Chris was a huge horror fanatic and would constantly speak about urban legends or weird stories he had heard from others around the ward. One late night in their shared room, they both sat on Chris's bed with the lights off. Nothing but the streetlights outside the window brightened the room. Chris had begun to explain a story to Mason, one that had Mason clenching the cloth of his pants with sweaty palms and goosebumps on the back of his neck. Chris had described something that was known as the Crooked Man. The supposed legend of the Crooked Man did nothing to calm the nerves that Mason began to feel. Chris described the Crooked Man as a vengeful spirit telling Mason that he only targets people who are suffering mentally. He explains that the crooked man would do anything to drive his target insane, whether that was disguising himself as a loved one or visiting their dreams. He gets into his victims' heads until they can't take it anymore. And eventually, if he succeeds, the victim will take their own life. Mason began to feel sick at this information. The thought of him being a possible target because of the way he was sent shivers down his spine and dread filled his entire body. Chris studied the look on Mason's face and immediately changed the subject, going on about ghost stories around the ward. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is sponsored by Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 because lately I've had trouble with a lack of energy, focus, and alertness. But now I feel more aware and invigorated. AG1 is a drink mix with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens which support gut health, your nervous system, immune system, energy, and more. I drink AG1 every morning for breakfast. It helps me stay focused on work throughout the day. Plus, it has a delicious, mild, tropical taste, making it easy to drink. I even look forward to it, and so does my husband. For less than $3 a day, you're investing in your health with a lifestyle-friendly mix, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Plus, your subscription comes with a year's supply of vitamin D, which is very important for the lack of sunlight in winter months. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash folklore. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash folklore 
to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. If you thought the nursery rhymes that you learned when you were a kid were all innocent, then think again. They weren't all just written to entertain children. There is one nursery rhyme that has made it all the way from the early 18th century, changing the way it was perceived along the way, until it became the horrifying urban legend that we know today. There Was a Crooked Man, Nursery Rhyme, was first published in print in 1842 by James Orchard Hallowell and was only four lines long. The original rhyme goes like this. There was a crooked man who walked a crooked mile, and he found a crooked sixpence against a crooked stile. He bought a crooked cat who caught a crooked mouse, and they all lived together in a little crooked house. These were the original lines written by Hallowell, but someone during the last decade decided to add the even creepier lines that now follow. Everything was worthless, he heaved a great big sigh, and he went and found a rope and tied it to the sky. Upon a chair he stood, his eyes were blank and dead. Without another thought, he went and hung his head. Now the story's not yet over, for this tale is mythed and old. Go hide under the cover, there's something not yet told. There once was a crooked man who had a crooked smile, and if you've lived his life, he'll send you through a trial. He lives for your torment, makes it full of strife, and he won't be content until he takes your life. The poem There Was a Crooked Man originates from the history of King Charles I, King of England, King of Scotland, and King of Ireland from March 27, 1625 until his execution on January 30, 1649. The poem written by Hallowell is said to have an underlying meaning. The crooked man in the story is believed to have been Scottish General Sir Alexander Leslie, who signed a covenant securing religious and political freedom for Scotland. Hallowell uses the word crooked to imply dishonesty and lack of loyalty. The crooked style stood for the border between England and Scotland. The phrase, they all live together in a little crooked house, refers to the fact that the English and Scots had at last come to an agreement. Despite continuing hostility between the two peoples, who nonetheless had to live with each other due to their common border. Later during the 18th century, a writer was researching legends and folklore when he discovered some lines of verse that occurred in dozens of different cultures and in dozens of different languages, all referring to the same thing. They called it the Crooked Man. This is where the urban legend is born from. The legend is that if you recite this poem out loud, it will summon a demonic force known as the Crooked Man. Once you recite the poem, everyone in the house is cursed to die by his hands. The curse brings certain death to anyone who may dare to summon it. It most likely began as a curse or incantation that was passed down and translated through the years, evolving with time. Eventually, it was put into written form and made its way into culture as a nursery rhyme. Theoretically, an incantation that was a curse had evolved into an innocent nursery rhyme, using the guise of something harmless. Without anyone realizing what was happening, the crooked man was unleashed upon the world. 
The crooked man is described as a tall, slender man with no face except for a mouth and only wears a suit and tie. He is most likely a demon who can gain access to your thoughts without you knowing until it is too late. The evil being has the ability to shapeshift into anything or anyone and is able to appear in your dreams causing night terrors. He can also teleport and is known for creeping in the shadows. Most people think you cannot stop this benevolent crooked entity once you summon it, but that is not the case. If you act fast enough, you can stop him before he arrives. All you must do is destroy the object that you read the incantation from. Unfortunately, that would mean destroying your phone, laptop, or some other expensive device in most cases. So who is the crooked man? The one from the curse, not the English nursery rhyme version. It was hard to find this information, but one answer I found makes sense. He was just your ordinary crooked evil guy who was living a miserable life. He realized the people around him were not as miserable as he was, so instead of changing, he chose to hang himself. However, his spirit didn't die, but instead became a demon-like entity who preyed on people whose life even remotely resembled his. According to legend, if you are miserable or depressed, you will make a good target for the crooked man. If you recite the poem, he will come to you even quicker. He will drive you insane to the point where eventually you will take your own life. He will do this by using his shape-shifting ability to make you slowly lose your mind. The crooked man can also enter your dreams and attack you there, causing nightmares and eventual sleep deprivation. He will follow you wherever you go and give you brief glimpses of his true form to instill fear and paranoia. Earlier I mentioned one way to stop him, but there is another. If he targets you because you are miserable or crooked, then all you must do is change the way you live. Once you become a better, happier person, he will lose interest in you. The Crooked Man gained popularity in more recent times when the villain first appeared in the 2013 indie horror game by the same name, The Crooked Man. In the game you play as David Hoover, who has recently moved to a new apartment during a rather tough time in his life. In the midst of him struggling to deal with his current situation, David starts to experience some odd occurrences in his apartment and decides it's best to ask a little about the former tenant. However, he learns little. Strangely compelled to learn more about this man, David sets off in search of him, hoping to find answers to his questions. Duke McGann is the tenant David has been looking for throughout the game. He committed suicide a few years earlier, and his new identity is the Crooked Man. When Duke was young, he was abandoned by his mother. She later died in a hospital when Duke was still a kid, leaving him with bitterness and resentful feelings of abandonment. After he grew up, Duke decided to become a lawyer, but despite his efforts, could not pass the final exam. The final straw was when his girlfriend, the love of his life, abandoned him. This left him very depressed. Unable to take the hurt and the bitterness any longer, he left his apartment, went to his mother's abandoned house, and hung himself. Duke still was not destined to rest in peace, 
but instead became a vengeful spirit. The Crooked Man's popularity grew even more when he made an appearance in The Conjuring Universe, in The Conjuring 2, in May of 2016. The story follows Ed and Lorraine Warren, paranormal investigators, as they travel to England to help the Hodgson family who are experiencing poltergeist activity in their home. While battling the demon Valak, Lorraine Warren encounters the demonic figure known as the Crooked Man, based on the nursery rhyme. The creepy creature has long legs and sharp teeth, wears a suit with a hat and an umbrella, and is altogether horrifying. While it's unclear whether the Crooked Man is an independent demon or connected to the nun, he fortunately disappears along with Valak. Hot on the heels of Conjuring 2's version of The Crooked Man was the first Crooked Man movie, which was released the following October of the same year. This movie is every bit a TV movie as you might expect, both in storytelling, acting, and visual quality. Now that might make you think it's not worth checking out, but you might be surprised by certain elements. The movie opens at 12-year-old Olivia's slumber party, where a group of girls are trying to frighten each other. One comes up with a suggestion that they try to summon the Crooked Man, which involves singing a song while a music box plays, all done by the power of the internet. That night, he comes, kills one of the girls, and Olivia is blamed. She spends the next six years in an institution, and upon release returns to her hometown with her father. Many of the townspeople believe she killed her friend all those years ago, so it is not a happy homecoming for her. Since Olivia's release, each person present that night the crooked man came has been dying one by one. Olivia is racing the clock to convince her other friends that the evil entity has returned for the rest of them. What we really want to know, though, is will there be a crooked man spinoff from the Conjuring universe? Probably. However, nothing is set in stone yet. The Crooked Man, it seems, that the film, intended as a spin-off about the character seen in The Conjuring 2, has been languishing in development. In 2018, producer Peter Safran told Cinema Blend, We're still working on the script for it. The bar is set very high for the movies that we want to make in The Conjuring universe. And until we get to that place, we're not interested in putting one of these out there. I still think The Crooked Man could be a very interesting and different story. The Crooked Man is one of the creepiest urban legends today and will probably appear in many more stories and games in the future. Like other creatures that can be summoned, I am left with one question. Why would you? Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly two million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. That night, Mason didn't sleep at all. For some reason, he just couldn't get the crooked man out of his head. He kept thinking about it even as he squeezed his eyes shut and tried to imagine something happy. He tossed and turned, trying to doze off, but instead waking his roommate up from the sounds of the bed creaking. 
Chris stood up and sat on the edge of Mason's bed, causing the boy to almost jump out of his skin when he noticed. Mason sat up quickly and held his hand over his chest. Are you still worrying about the crooked man? You shouldn't let it bother you. It's not even real. Chris laughed and patted Mason on the shoulder, standing up and sitting back on his bed. Mason chewed a hangnail on his thumb, unable to break the habit since he got there. He hadn't realized how hard he had been chewing at it until Chris gasped. Mason pulled his thumb away from his lips and realized he had ripped the hangnail out, causing blood to gush out onto his bed. Chris stood from his bed and rushed to the trash can in the corner of the room, gagging and vomiting into it. The rest of the night, neither of them slept. The two of them lay in their beds, facing away from each other. That morning, Chris began packing his bags to go home. The day before had been his final day there. Mason couldn't control the frown on his face when it finally clicked, that he would spend the rest of his time here alone, without someone to talk to. The rest of the day was agonizingly long for Mason. He couldn't seem to focus during any of his treatments, even during individual therapy. That night, Mason sat on Chris's neat and empty bed. Unknowingly drifting off to sleep, all thoughts from the previous night were long behind him. The next morning, Mason received a call from Chris on one of the patient phones that the ward provided. Mason was happy to hear from his friend again, but his smile dropped when Chris brought up the crooked man. That same feeling from the night before began to creep back into his stomach as he listened to his friend tell him that he had found the poem. Originally, Chris had forgotten how the poem went, but now he had access to the internet since he was home. The dread in Mason's stomach began to grow, and as his heart started to pound uncontrollably in his chest, Chris recited the poem in his ear. There was a crooked man, and he went a crooked mile. He found a crooked sixpence against a crooked style. He bought a crooked cat, which caught a crooked mouse, and they all lived together in a little crooked house. By the end of the poem, all Mason could hear was his heart hammering in his ears. He had a terrible feeling about the poem being read out loud to him, and that feeling only grew as the other person on the line went silent. The moment was quickly interrupted when a nurse walked up and politely told Mason to say his goodbye. Uh, I have to go. He rushed his words and immediately hung up the phone. The nurse led him out of the room and he continued with his schedule of the day. Although, he was out of it once again. Only this time he couldn't even pretend to pay attention to his therapy session. That night, Mason stood in the middle of his room with a blank mind. He stared at the small window on the wall he was facing and envisioned jumping through the glass, landing limply on the ground as the world goes dark. Once he came back to his senses, he gasped and fell back, slamming into the side of his bed, causing it to slide across the floor. Luckily, no one heard the squeal that resonated from the bed and from Mason. After catching his breath, he ran to his bed, pulled the covers over his head, and squeezed his eyes shut. His ears began to ring as he did this, the poem reciting in his head unwillingly. He tossed and turned and finally sat up, covering his ears with his eyes still squeezed shut. Just as sudden as it had begun, the ringing stopped 
and so did the voice in his head. He opened one eye cautiously and peered around the room. The ringing didn't come back, and neither did the voice. He sighed in relief and laid back on his bed, trying to calm his beating heart, and eventually he drifted off to sleep. He woke up in a completely dark room. His arms were tied behind his back, and he was sitting in a small wooden chair. His eyes rushed through the darkness, but there was no sign of life. He struggled with his bindings as tears began to stream down his cheeks. He tried to scream, but his voice was gone. He flinched when a sudden strong breeze phased through him the force from it causing the chair to tilt to the side and fall over. He tried to let out a cry of pain, but his voice was still stuck in his head. In the distance, he could make out some type of lit-up line that continued endlessly above him, only stopping at about his height. He couldn't make out the shape, but his thoughts were cut off when he realized the ropes that had him tied to the chair were gone. He stood up and rubbed his sore wrists and looked back up the line to realize that it had appeared closer to him now. It hung six feet away from him and he felt nauseous when he could finally make out what it was. A noose hung from nothing right in front of him, swinging slightly from the breeze from an unknown source. Mason's heart almost jumps out of his chest when he feels someone sigh into his ear. Turning in the direction of the sigh, there was nothing. He turns back towards the noose and almost lost his balance, only now realizing he had been standing on the wooden chair. His breathing became unsteady, and something in him was telling him to grab the noose, and his body acted on it. His hands gripped either side of the rope. His thoughts screamed at him to stop, but his body had a mind of its own. The noose was now around his neck, but he still stood on the chair, unable to move a muscle on his own will. There was another sigh beside his head, and he snapped his head towards the sound and was met with nothing. Another sigh in the opposite ear, and he snapped his head back to face forward, his eyes widening in terror. A tall, lanky, man-like creature stood directly in front of him. It wore a worn-out red suit and a hat that covered its eyes. It had a nasty, malicious grin as it reached towards Mason's face. Mason stumbled on the chair and began to fall back, the chair slipping out from under his feet. All Mason could register was that he couldn't breathe. He swung his legs back and forth trying to free himself from the grasp of the rope, but his struggles were in vain. He slowly and painfully began to lose consciousness. His hands fell to his side, right as everything went black. The last thing he saw was that thing's dreadful grin. Mason gasped and sat up in his bed. His clothes were soaked in sweat, and he couldn't seem to steady his breathing. It was morning when Mason began to search his room for something sharp. That thing's face wouldn't leave his mind along with the poem. It was driving him insane. He just wanted to be rid of that disgusting smile that was in his mind. 
It was as if something had released an infection onto his brain, making it so he was unable to think of anything else. He ruffled his hair and yelled out, suddenly feeling exhausted. He curled up in the corner of the room, pulling his knees to his chest. He let his guard down for a moment, and that's when he heard it. Footsteps walking towards him from the corner of the room, but there was no one in the room with him. The door hadn't even opened for anyone to walk in. Mason peered into the direction of the footsteps, but no one was there. The footsteps stopped as soon as he looked up, but then came back at a quicker speed, even louder this time. Mason screamed and crawled towards his bed, pulling himself underneath it and putting his hands over his head. The stomping stopped, and before he could react to the loss of sound, the bed began to rise and slam to the ground around him. He cried out and curled up into a ball on the ground. He began to pray under his breath for any god or entity to help him. Suddenly, Mason felt a hold on both of his ankles. He looked down and saw long, lanky arms reaching out to him from above the bed. He sobbed loudly and tried to kick away, but was dragged out from underneath the bed at an inhumane speed. When he was out from under the bed, he immediately recognized the ragged red suit. Mason was sprawled out on the floor below the creature, paralyzed. He couldn't move, no matter how many times his mind screamed for him to snap out of it. Instead, his body began to lift from the ground against his will. He could make out the sheets from the bed hanging from the light, tied into a perfect noose. Mason shouted at himself in his mind, trying his hardest to break free from his paralyzed state. But even if he did break free, would he finally be able to escape? He had nowhere to run. Who would believe him if he sought help? He closed his eyes and gave up. No more fighting. Why was he so scared anyway? He wanted to die in the first place. That was the whole reason he was even here. When he opened his eyes again, he was in the air right next to the noose. His arms moved against his will and pulled the noose around his neck. The creature tilted its head to the side, seemingly amused. Then Mason's body dropped. The room was cold, and before Mason even opened his eyes, his hands shot to his throat. He was relieved when he felt nothing there. Jumping out of bed, he looked around frantically. The room was empty. He was all alone. For the first time in many months, Mason was thankful to be alive. Thank you for listening to Freaky Folklore, the podcast about mankind's horrifying legends and myths. Don't forget to follow Freaky Folklore on Spotify and iTunes. If you can, leave the show an honest review on iTunes to help us grow. Freaky Folklore is part of the EerieCast Podcast Network, the home for listeners who love to feel scared. Go to EerieCast.com to find other terrifying podcasts such as Unexplained Encounters and Redwood Bureau. If you would like to submit an encounter or suggestions for future episodes, you can email them to 
carmencarrion at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook for information on future episodes. Tune in next week as we discuss the Haitian zombie. Are they monsters or just created by one? Until next time, stay safe out there because this world is a strange one. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big